0: show today um so that's funny okay moving on let's talk about pre-crime the globe and mail is reporting justice minister defends house arrest power for people feared of committing a hate crime. And Alex says, so much for the presumption of innocence. This is very minority report. So I think I've said this before, I play pretend like Xbox hockey with my brother on the weekends, right? And one of the things that we do is we minority report people. So an easy way to score a goal in NHL, any NHL, although less in 2024, but any NHL is to do a cross-ice pass. So you have two people and they're approaching the goalie and one person has the puck and then instead of shooting it on the net, they pass over to the other guy and the other guy almost every time nails it. And so that's a cross-ice pass. So if you do that, instead of going after the guy with the puck, you go after the guy who's going to receive the puck and score the goal. And that's called a minority report because you're not allowed to check somebody who doesn't have the puck. But in this case, if you don't do it, they're going to score a goal. So that's called a minority report. But in minority report, the people who committed the crime, they had they had precogs who could see into the future and they all saw different things, but they agreed on a probable future and that got given to Tom Cruise in a marble and he went and he watched the marble and he's like, this murderous person needs to go to jail. So before they could commit the crime, they'd put him in jail. And then by the end of the movie, they realized the, the folly of their ways. Canada and the Canadian cabinet They haven't watched that movie. Or if they have watched that movie, they haven't got to the end part where the society realizes that pre-crime is a bad idea. Like a really terrible, awful, bad idea. Tracy says it's to protect the children. Roshana says under Online Harms Act Bill C-63, the government can put you under house arrest or force you to wear an ankle bracelet if someone else believes that you will write something hateful online in the future. Pre-crime, thought crime, pre-thought crime <laughs> maybe that should maybe that's a better title for today's episode so there's the the bill um, language is cut up in there and I'm not going to read it because it's not worth it but here's a, here's a clip from the Globe and Mail article responding to globe Politics Justice Minister defends house arrest for people feared to commit a ha- hate crime in the future. Oh no, you might commit a hate crime in the future sees all of his digital belongings like take take the phones take everything can he keep twitter no x no um, if there's a genuine fear of escalation then an individual or a group could come forward and seek a peace bond against them to prevent them from doing certain things the peace bond could have conditions that include not being close to a synagogue or mosque he said it could also lead to restrictions on internet usage and behavior that would help to de-radicalize people who are learning things online and acting out in the real world violently sometimes fatally. Mr. Verini said that the bill would strike a balance though and would mean that content that is awful but lawful would remain online. The thing is though they're trying to reclassify speech. All speech regardless of what the speech is is legal. Like if you can say it it's legal. Now there are guardrails on speech in Canada and some guardrails that a lot of people agree with like you can't yell fire in a crowded theater if there is in fact no fire and like you can't incite violence against certain people, but these people are inciting violence and violence can be different. Like, let's not hire those people. That's kind of violent, right? So, and it may not be physical violence, but there's violence, violent intent in it. And so the the whole idea that the um, government having the ability to surgically limit speech online will somehow make people safer and the government giving peace bonds when i was a kid and also now if somebody tells me you're not allowed to do that i think to them challenge accepted i'm not allowed to do that by what do you mean by that i'm not allowed to do that it's not illegal i could do it it may be expensive i'm not allowed to do that what, what does that mean in in this world of like most of the things, most of the time you're, you have not permission, but you know, if you can, if you can reasonably think to do it, then, then you'd be allowed to do it. And, and they're saying, you can't say that online. You can't do that online. And I don't think, not that I don't think they have the power to um, execute, but the fact that they're going after this tells me that they're willing to jail people over this simultaneous with they're willing to let out violent criminals because their rights have been violated somehow in some mental gymnastics. So they criminalize speech and go after people and make room in the jails for all these new thought crime, thought criminals by emptying out the jails. And it seems, it seems, I don't think this can stand. I don't think it can stand. I think there are a lot of people who are really upset about it. Trish Wood is talking about this. She says, those responsible for the Online Harms Act need to resign from office immediately. Any opposition members not calling for their urgent replacement is also captured. Our most basic right is being stolen by Trudeau's ideologues. This could not stand. Yeah, we have a long tradition of freedom of speech in Canada, and these bullshit excuses to clamp down on the internet for hate speech or whatever is an open and clear attempt to attack their political opponents and it's they're acting like that's not the case and they're acting like the public doesn't see it but the public does certainly see it so that's i mean it's it's very very concerning but again a lot of people are talking about what's going on plato says the Liberals Bill C-63 Online Harms Act, some Liberal ministers honestly believe a country of 40 million people could fix the online world through self-righteousness and to view constitutional concerns around free speech as silly relics. Yeah. And, and they're, they're trying to wedge this issue. They really are. They're trying to make people who are opposed to this bill somehow against protecting children, but they have no leg to stand on because they're not protecting children. They want to, they want children to be handed over to the pedophiles and the drag queens at the library, right? Like these people don't protect children whatsoever and claiming that they do doesn't make it so, right? Laurie Goldstein's responding to this whole thing. He says, "My Thursday column, two civil liberties organizations that convinced a federal judge the Trudeau government's invocation of the emergencies Act violated fundamental rights now says its online harms bill, as written, is an unconstitutional assault on free speech yeah, yeah, hundred percent it definitely is one hundred percent so there's that l b c this is in um this is in the u k and This report says police looking into hate crime complaint against Lee Anderson after the MP said Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, was controlled by Islamists. So they're going after him for speech crimes now. How dare you say such a thing about our illustrious mayor, right? And further thought crime and further, uh, well, this guy donated. One of the things that I find really brutal about this story is the convoy donation, the people who donated to the convoy, was hacked and that database was was released to the media to shame name and shame these people who were supporting the convoy they weren't terrorists they were just regular everyday people this guy's a cop right and he sent fifty dollars so now he has to work 80 hours so jim says ontario cop who gave 50 bucks to the freedom convoy lost his appeal over eighty eighty 80 days lost pay this is due to the harm he caused to the reputation of the windsor police service that makes no sense. Now many Canadians think worse of the Windsor police. Yeah, this is the kind of stuff, I mean, this is not the Canada I grew up in and that's an understatement. And here's here's things that you never thought you'd see in Canada. They want you to stop using oil and gas, but also electric heaters. No, those are verboten. We've got to get rid of those things. We're, we got to ban those things. The real Andromeda is sharing this Epic Times article. Ottawa considering portable electric heater ban. <laughs> that sounds like a bad idea. You know it gets cold in Canada, right? Despite this February being very warm. Have you seen the spraying in the skies? Pierre Polyev says Trudeau won't say whether he'll cooperate with the RCMP and release all documents on the Arrive Scan corruption. Release the documents now. Sign, uh, sign to end the cover or to end the cover up, and. This is the beginning of all of Pierre Polyev's speeches in the House of Commons are all branding and repeating the branding. It's interesting. Like It's interesting to watch because it seems to be sticking. It seems to be uh, having the desired effect. Anyway, here's Pierre Polyev. A ...sense conservatives
1: fight to ax the tax, build the homes, fix the budget, and stop the crime. This prime minister is not worth the cost or corruption. We found yesterday that he, his government is under RCMP investigation. Again, uh, this time for a Rive scam, the Commissioner of the RCMP revealed, however, that the last time they were investigating him for criminal activity, he blocked them in the SNC-Lavalin affair from getting Cabinet documents. So, Will he lift Cabinet confidentiality and hand over all the documents to the police so that they can investigate? any of his potential crimes.
2: Yeah. Mr. Speaker, the situation around Arrivecan is obviously unacceptable, which is why authorities are looking into this procurement process. And anyone who took advantage of everything we were doing to try and keep people safe during COVID uh, to get rich uh, will face consequences. That's the way our system works.
1: But that's not the, the way the system has worked since he took office eight years ago. According to the RCMP commissioner, he not only refused to be questioned in the SNC-Lavalin criminal investigation uh, and in the Aga Khan-Billionaire Island investigation, but he blocked key cabinet documents from being included in those investigations. We now know that an app that was supposed to cost $80,000 went up to $60 million after the NDP helpfully voted for those extra funds. We don't know who criminally benefited from that, so once again, will the Prime Minister waive Cabinet confidentiality, turn over all the documents, yes or no?
2: The Opposition is digging into the past to try and bring up things that were settled many years ago. But that answer
1: proves again that he's not worth the cost or the corruption. We know that after 8 years of this prime minister the cost of everything has gone up I mean, in part because he's given away money for nothing in a ride scam an app that was supposed to cost 80,000
0: so it's edited but i think it's well edited and goes over what's going on with as far as the corruption here's larry brock now Paul is asking Justin Trudeau during question period and when he has public time to, to question him. But Larry Brock and Michael Cooper and Michael Barrett, I nailed it, um, <laughs> are taking lead on this, really. And so Larry Brock says, Breaking news, CPC motion carried. While the liberals voted against our conservative motion to table the full cost of Trudeau's failed Arrive scam app and recollect all money paid to contractors who did no actual work on Arrive scam, the other opposition parties supported it and it was carried. Now, Justin Trudeau has 100 days to table a report in the House demonstrating that taxpayer funds have been repaid. So that's, I mean, good news. Glad Larry Brock's talking about it. Yesterday, Michael Barrett was talking about it right after it passed as well. Um, And gov.exe says CP. CMP Larry Brock asks why the prime minister was at the co- where the prime minister was at the cost of arrive scam as the cost of arrive scam went up from 80,000 to over 60 million and asks if the prime minister is corrupt or incompetent. He says Justin Trudeau has 100 days to show proof of funds out to companies like GC Strategies have to be returned. So, don't hold your breath they say. And I'm not going to show this right now because it's three, it's four minutes and we're just got to keep going. I've uh, got lots to do today. Petrified COVID Parent is sharing this. The Department of National Defense, DND, suspends contracts with a Can contractor after learning CEO is a DND employee. He works for us? What? So breaking the Department of National Defense, which bragged about using the pandemic to test propaganda techniques on Canadians is now implicated in the ARRIVE scam scandal. So that's interesting, right? Andy Lee says, yeah, it's right on his LinkedIn that ARRIVECAN contractor, David Yeo, president of Dalian, works for the Department of National Defense. He has worked for the DND for 37 years since 1987. 37 years. That's a lot, a lot of taxpayer dollars. They just figured out he's a federal employee that also won massive contracts for real. They just figured this out. Holy cow. I can't believe that you also work for us. You just look like the, it's like, so during his meetings as the president of Dalian, he would put on glasses, okay? And then when he's the federal employee, glasses off, right? You see, it's the Superman disguise, right? Just boom, right? Oh, hello, president of Dalian. I didn't know you were here today. Yeah, just visiting. Uh, Eva Chippick says, sorry, what? David Yeo is the CEO of Dalian Enterprises, which received a $7.9 million contract for its work on the ArriveCan app. You didn't notice that he was an employee and he got a $7.9 million contract. Is anyone in charge? Well, I mean, he was wearing glasses. <laughs> Jeepers creepers, right? Ivan says, to cover up the previous eight years, so this is a U.S. cover-up. So Representative Barry L. Loudermilk, I've heard there's a good show called Loudermilk. Um, The DOJ, he says, the DOJ has no suspects in either the RNC or DNC pipe bomb nor Gallows investigation, but they are targeting an independent journalist who simply documented what, was wit- what he witnessed on January 6th. There were dozens of journalists at the Capitol that day, so why target this guy? So TPC for USA. So Blaze News investigative writer Steve Baker says the FBI wants him to self-surrender on Friday in Dallas over his January 6th reporting wow, right? Like, that's pretty scary stuff. So Ivan says, to cover up for the previous eight years of cover-ups, now we must pursue the seditious co-conspirators, and he names Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all of those people, um, along with the entire CPC, U.S. CP leadership, impeachment hoax 2, management staff, January 6th committee and members of of staff. uh, CPB, excuse me, not CPC. Um, These are all U.S. entities, right? But it's happening in other places too. I just wanted to highlight that, right? All of these kind of scams, all of the legal targeting, all of the situations that look like they can't mean this. This can't stand. They mean it. It, it might it might stand. It might stand without people strongly standing up and saying no. But that's difficult because then you get targeted, right? As an anti whatever astora. Uh, they'll smear you with all of the the worst current smears. Pierre Polyev says, breaking shocking government documents reveal the Trudeau government allowed massive security breaches at our top level lab. And so this is about the Winnipeg lab and the the scientists who were sending Ebola to the Chinese lab. And so we've found out more information and this was breaking all over the place yesterday. This is the leader of the opposition and it says, um, Released the following statement on the Winnipeg Lab documents. Under Justin Trudeau's watch, the PRC, the People's Republic of China, and its entities, including the People's Liberation Army, were allowed to infiltrate Canada's top-level lab. They were able to transfer sensitive intellectual property and dangerous pathogens to the PRC. Based on its own assessment, the Liberal government allowed a person who is a very serious and credible danger and a realistic and credible threat to Canada's economic security to access and compromise our country's top-level lab, which works with some of the world's most dangerous viruses, such as Ebola. This is a massive national security failure by Justin Trudeau and his Liberal government, which he fought tooth and nail to cover up, including... Defying four parliamentary orders and taking the House of Commons Speaker to court, he cannot be trusted to keep our people and our country safe. So, yeah, that's interesting. Oh, there's a bit more. Common sense conservatives are studying every single page of these explosive documents and will not stop until Canadians know the truth about this unprecedented and terrifying security breach. Up here, Polyev government will secure our labs and all of our government assets against these sorts of national security breaches, and will stand on guard for our country to make sure this never happens again. They won't close the border, though, right? Like, I mean, I'm really, I'm very, very, Polyev has made overtures, signals that he might tie the number of people coming into the number of houses being built, but also he wants to b- build tall towers to you know, facilitate easy access to transit and so on and so forth, but it seems like a dystopian 15-minute city build. So, eh, you know, not great. Um, Anyway, moving on. Andrew Coyne is talking about all this. He he says, a source with direct knowledge of the material said the information when uncovered would show that scientists Zhang Yuqi and her husband Ketting Cheng provided confidential scientific information to China and isn't that like a crime? There's a, there's a clip from the article. It says, the government said it could not release documents about their dismissal for national security reasons. The government's unwillingness to promote, promote promoted a showdown that led to opposition parties voting to declare the liberals in contempt of parliament. The government later took then House of Commons Speaker Anthony Roda to court in order to prevent their release. But a, a bid it dropped after the 2021 election was called um, because everything dies on paper after the 2021 election one high profile chinese researcher fei yan of the people's liberation army academy of military medical science worked for a period at the winnipeg lab dr key also collaborated on ebola research with major general chen wei the Chinese military's top epidemiologist and virologist. Four months before the scientists were expelled from the lab, access to information documents show Dr. Qi played a role in shipping two exceptionally exceptionally virulent viruses, Ebola and Hennepa, to the Wuhan facility. Dr. Qi was able to bring graduates and postgraduate students from china who were studying at the university of manitoba into the facility it remains unclear how those students got security clearances to enter the lab which is equipped to handle the world's most dangerous viruses dr key won a government governor general's award in 2018 for her work on ebola so why are they sending ebola and here's how they're sending it fingers crossed no word of a lie. Andy Lee says, I'm reading emails from PHAC about the Ebola shipment from Winnipeg to China. I'm shocked. They don't know how to pack it. They don't know what forms to use. They don't know what the, they don't know the shipment routes. Nobody asks why China wants it. One email actually says, fingers crossed. So that's not great. Andy Lee's responding to herself. She says, I love how causal these casual, excuse me, these relation these conversations are between public health agency of Canada employees where's the deadly Ebola virus being shipped to again, guys? So exactly the address where? Mark's Mark from the Mark Patron show says, he's responding to Alan. Alan says, silly question, but isn't passing sensitive information to a foreign adversary a crime? And Mark says, the couple were booted out of the facility in 2019, but not charged with spying. Why? Three months later, Chinese election meddling helped Trudeau keep his job in the October election. So interesting stuff, right? How's how is all of that tied all together? It seems like it's very tightly tied together. And again, we're really bad at getting accountability. We're really really bad at getting accountability. The, Justin Trudeau's dad created a situation where we had to invent the GST to deal with his screw-ups, and we still kept electing liberals. Like unbelievable. And we still have the GST. Maxime Bernier is sharing this. This is about the Emergency Act. And he says, one of the two Coutts political prisoners who remain in jail, Tony O, has a letter published in Newsweek magazine, a letter from a Canadian political prisoner. So thanks for sharing that. Here's the, here's part of this letter. I don't have time to read it all, but I'm going to read the beginning part here. Um, It's been two years since Canada's Freedom Convoy protests. I've spent them in a Canadian jail. My name is Tony Olenek, Olenek. Sorry if I got that wrong. And I'm a political prisoner. I'm from a small town in, in southern Alberta called Carlsham. I'm the only son to my late father, George, and my mom, Tessie, who's approaching her 81st birthday. Before I participated in the Freedom Convoy and was arrested, I helped my mom at our small hobby farm, among other things. After high school, I became a journeyman plumber and gas fitter, but I eventually pursued what every little boy loves the most, playing with Tonka toys in the sandbox. Starting with one backhoe, I grew a gravel Quarrying and trucking business into an operation that employs two dozen people at times. I had multiple pieces of heavy equipment, trucks and trailers. We have since had to sell all that equipment to pay my legal bills. How did I end up end up here? During the COVID-19 pandemic, I started to see the world I knew and loved crumble. The mandates under Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and the provincial premiers were destroying businesses, rupturing families, and harming the mental health of everyone I encountered. People became desperate and wanted answers as to why the government was imposing such harsh restrictions on us, but our government was unresponsive. In these dark days, I began attending freedom protest rallies and met like-minded people who shared my sentiments about getting our lives back. As the mandates and crushing restrictions against society wore on, I saw the trucker's freedom convoy birthed from the ashes of the remains of Canada. Like so many others, I was filled with hope that someone was standing up for us. And I'll leave it there, but you can check check out the rest. Link is in the description if you're interested. Uh, But it's it's terrible that we still have guys in jail, and they will be in jail until mid-March if they get out at their next court date. And fingers crossed, but no guarantees, right? And that's National disgrace. Absolutely disgraceful. Here is Jen, Glenn Motts asking Justice Minister Ari Varini if he has managed to find the broader interpretation of the Emergencies Act used against the protesters. It's an interesting question, and the Justice Minister seems angry when he answers questions. He seems upset all the time. I'll just play it here uh, to get to the answer, um, but the question... Questions can be
2: long and rambling. Here we go. Legal and unconstitutional, that is a binding precedent, unlike Rouleau's um, particular ruling. Now, uh, the other thing that I I think the Canadian public need to understand is Canadians expect their government uh, to follow the law, the rule of law, and not create an interpretation thereof that is convenient for the government to circumvent the existing law. And, you know, uh, Mr. Varani, you had indicated that, you know, there are are hundreds of years of precedent for lawyer-client privilege. And, um, you know, the relationship has lasted hundreds of years. And you know what else has lasted all that time? For Parliament to make laws of the land which govern the people. And by invoking the Emergencies Act, the Cabinet gave itself the power to pass criminal laws. Criminal laws which Mosley found to be unconstitutional. Now my question to you is: Have you actually found and read the infamous broader interpretation? Yes or no? That I the don't, government relied. I that don't the government relied, so, Have you actually read the, the legal opinion, the broader interpretation that the that the government was telling everyone uh, that they relied upon to invoke the Emergencies Act? Yes or no? Uh, Mr. Motz, I'm trying to be helpful, but even answering that question would disclose social client privilege, which I cannot do here. But what I would what I would say to you is that uh, well, I, uh, I, let, I, let me stop you for a minute. Um you know are uh, you obviously uh, can you answer me the date stamp that was on that Ms, uh, Mr. Motz you're, you're not, so you in can. terms of solicitor client privilege? Okay, so you the, can. Mere, so the, the reason I asked that question the questions you're asking me yes would, or no would it, yeah, you've already, already answered I yes. uh, it was a yes Mr. or no. Um, remember no, will so excuse reg- me, yeah,
1: remember Sorry. we have interpretation yeah. please it don't was talk a yes or no
2: question no, please don 't
1: talk over each other
2: um, mr verani i, I don 't believe for a second that the broader interpretation even existed when the in the emergencies act was invoked at the time of the invocation for a number of reasons, and uh, you know it wasn 't really until the um, just weeks before the reload commission was about to begin that we all of a sudden heard about this broader interpretation, that it uh, somehow magically appeared. And it's really quite uh, disturbing that this broader interpretation is there now, and no one's seen it, no one's heard it, apparently. Uh, Mosley uh, didn't get an opportunity to have uh, it as part of his disposal, and neither did, neither did uh, Justice Rouleau, uh, who indicated that the evidence that he found to support the government's invocation was weak at best. Sorry, that went on a little
0: longer than usual, but I, I just, I find it so interesting, right? Sorry. Um, and Verini doesn't have justification. I like that Motz went after him and said, hey, like, I don't even believe that this, this legal instruction or interpretation existed at the time of the invocation. And here, you know, here's why, blah, 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 blah. And I think, yeah, like, I, I'm glad that there are people who are starting to call BS where The BS has clearly been flowing for a very long time. I'm glad. I'm glad. Here's True North. They're reporting Liberal MP Kevin Lamoureux praised his government for marginalizing millions of unvaccinated Canadians at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic because they were far right. So I'll just show you the video of this. This is the end of the question. And then the only thing, I don't really care what he says, because at one point in Canadian politics, this would be shocking and I would, I would say this is shocking to be heard on the House of Commons floor. But at this point in time, I'm so desensitized to how crazy the liberals sound because they always sound unhinged and crazy that this just stands out as them sounding more unhinged and crazy than usual. And sorry, if I, if I break off like mid-sentence, I'm waiting for somebody and I think I hear people coming up the driveway and so I, I have to pause it and look around. So apologies if I'm... If, if, Things are a little weird today. Anyway, here's this Here's this video. I don't think anybody's here yet. Here we go.
2: I just want to know how much money did they spend on these studies to support this arrived scam when they knew that they didn't have the science to even support it from day one.
1: The Honourable Parliamentary Secretary.
2: Well, Madam Speaker,
0: the mega-conservative far-right is coming out. These are the the anti... uh, You know, these are the ones that still deny uh, the, the, you know, the the pandemic. And at the end of the day, um, you know, thank goodness it was uh, that Canadians and the majority of the people in the House saw the value of protecting the health and well-being of Canadians and that the far-right was marginalized uh, back then, Madam Speaker, because as a direct result, as result, more people are living today in Canada. As a direct result, a lot more people are, were healthier during uh, that process. Bonkers. Round then. But people believe it. People are, I don't know that swayed by the argument is, is, is right, but people seem to believe that, or there are a faction of people who believe that that's accurate. And I can't get my head around it because I, I don't think that it's borne out in the data. It's just borne out in the propaganda. People just keep saying it. And so people believe it. Gordon says, Grand Prairie Police Service application question number 85. Have you ever been associated with freedom fighters? Would you say I'm freedom fighter adjacent? (laughs) I just do a YouTube show, man. (laughs) Um I think that I'm prob- I would probably be classified as like if you watch my show, you might be you might be classified as a freedom fighter adjacent person <laughs> they They might have a whole file on me. I think they have somebody who watches my show. How's it going, guys? art um, Hello everyone. Thanks very much for watching. This is just a short version of a longer show. If you'd like to get the whole show, you can go over to canadapoly.com and sign up for a subscription. Just look in the drop down tab for shop and donate and look for subscriptions, and you'll get immediate access to the full show. Love to see you. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful.